Hello everybody, you welcome to another episode of Cloud Spotting. You know, I was just going to say Happy New Year there, but I don't know why. I don't know why it's still in We're my quite head. quite a bit beyond that now, aren't we? I think so. I think January's gone. I need to sort of put that in my head. But anyways, guys, welcome to another episode. We have Alex here and Sai. Hi, hi Alex, how are you doing? I'm all right, thank you very much. Just, uh, I don't even, I was, I'd like to try and think about something remotely interesting that I've been doing for the mo- for recent weeks prior to each episode. And I was thinking this time, I don't really know. It's been such a blur for the last few weeks. I can't pick out any one individual thing. Um, but uh, certainly been looking forward to the upcoming year because it's, uh, it's going to be very, very interesting. We've got a whole load of very interesting guests around yep. and a number of different, um, I think planning for the year, I've been looking at a number of different areas that we're going to talk about. So everything from a developer standpoint to the that's business right. standpoint uh, and everything in between. So that for me, actually, that's, that's been quite an interesting one to be looking at recently. What about you, Sai? Yeah, no, same, same. We have, there's so many things that's been uh, happening in the last month. Uh, I completely forgot January's gone. It's February, uh, which is sort of scary. Uh, but yeah, no, there's lots of things happening and completely agree with you, Alex. There's so many things to look forward to. I think it's going to be a great year. And we have Carolina here in our room as well. Hey, Carolina. Hi. The producer has a mic now. This yes. is worrying. Yeah, I have a voice now. Carolina <laughs> exists. Anyways, guys, I think, Alex, why don't you introduce our guests and let's kick off the episode. Yes. So we have a couple of special guests today, um, as we always try to do. And uh, this week we thought we would align the topic of discussion to something called SRE. Now, some people may or may not have heard of SRE, and we're going to dive into what that means. But um, joining us today are a couple of experts in the field of SRE. So I'll start with uh, introducing Welby. Or Welby, do you want to t- tell us a bit about yourself? So uh, I'm Welby McRoberts. I'm a customer reliability engineer in the managed Google Cloud platform at Rackspace. Um, I've been at Rackspace, oh, about just shy of 10 years now which is uh, which is a long time um, you get an extra big flag for that one I, I, I do I get uh, <laughs> I think it's a silver flag at 10 years uh, nice. which would be nice uh, just the five year one at the moment but uh, um, no uh, before I was a customer reliability engineer I was a lead engineer in the intensive and custom uh, parts of Rackspace so looking after a number of different customers from a uh, sort of senior escalation perspective and uh, sort of helping with architecture, um, operational planning, all that sort of uh, fun stuff. And uh, I moved to the uh, Google team when Rackspace uh, uh, started the Google practice uh, as a customer reliability engineer to uh, to basically teach people how to uh, how to SRE. Cool. Oh, we'll dig even more into that in a wee bit. Thanks very much, Welby. And then also joining us, Luke Carter. Luke. Yeah. Hi there. So I'm Luke Carter, uh, Google Solutions Architect at Rackspace. I've been here. Coming up to six years. Uh, before that, I worked in the portfolio teams, so wide across the business, but not as deep in knowledge, and now specifically in Google Cloud Platform. And prior to that, worked across the business in different areas, so service delivery and customer success, and I've been working in architecture for around three and a bit years now. So you've seen a bit of the service side, a bit of the business side, and now into the architecture side and going deep dive into the Google space. That's it, yeah, and spent some time over a year and a bit specializing in Google. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked with Welby and other CREs in terms of SRE workshops, so hopefully can share some of those experiences today. Ah, excellent. So we've we've done the thing, haven't we? We've we talked have. to the acronym, like we've said it at least we've... about 10 times between us, I reckon, but and we haven't yeah. explained what it is. And we've made it a verb as well, SRE-ing. SRE-ing. Ooh. Oh, I like that. There must <laughs> like, be an apostrophe in there. Somewhere. There must be. It'd be awesome. <laughs> so, so this, I've heard of 
the term SRE and we've heard of things like DevOps and all these other things. Can you, Welby, can you explain to us what is SRE and how does this differ or how is it like the whole DevOps thing that everybody always talks about? Well, DevOps is, uh, the, the, the way to think about it is that SRE is a very prescriptive way of doing DevOps. If you go out into the industry and you have a look and see, um, you know, you, you go for instance, a job listing, you might see that there are a number of different uh, uh, different things that people are meaning when they say DevOps. It, it doesn't it doesn't mean the same thing. <laughs> DevOps to, washing is what we're talking about here. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like, like cloud washing. More ops than dev. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. Uh, and even within organizations, organizations that can mean uh, very different things. So with that, um, Google have basically uh, come up probably around the same time as uh, um, the, the, the folks that were doing, well, let's do the DevOps way. Google kind of came up with their own, uh, their own methodology, except it does diverge slightly from it. So the, the, the sort of DevOps way would be that uh, you've got to reduce the number of silos. So, you know, the, the traditional one that we look at is that development and operations actually work as a team rather mm -hmm. than fighting each other. Um, it's uh, one very important thing for any sort of cloud type stuff would be that, well, actually failure is always going to happen. We're, we're just going to accept that now. Um, you would also uh, start start looking at moving towards a sort of data-driven approach. So monitor everything you can so you can prove what's happened at the uh, uh, at the uh, at a later stage, basically. And then also, you know, actually use automation and tooling. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure we all remember having to go and uh, let's say that we wanted to go and install the server. Yep, that's three, four hours in the data center <laughs> in front of the keyboard going either this is really warm or this is really cold, depending on which type of aisle you were in. Mm -hmm. so. Um, so with that, SRE, as I say, is, is more of a, a very sort of prescriptive way of doing it. And some of the things that are, are quite key to that is that the reduction of the organizational silos is done by forcing shared ownership. So if we look at it from a, a sort of traditional DevOps perspective, it doesn't necessarily mean that the development team and operations team, they may be one team, they may be in a common goal, but it doesn't mean that in the middle of the night, if there's an issue going on, that developer is necessarily available. <laughs> yep. um, with the SRE methodology, it's not quite at the extent that the developers will have a, uh, I'm going to say a pager, even though in reality, let, let's face it, is there even any pager networks left? Yeah. Probably, but uh, you know, they're contactable out of hours for on-call or whatever there. Um, with an SRE perspective, it's absolutely the case that there is, at the very least, an escalation path to get someone out of bed. Right. Um, it's the same tool set that gets used. Uh, so a developer should be expected to be using the same tools that an SRE is using. So for instance, if you're using, um, uh, let, let's, let's just pick on something like Docker. Mm -hmm. So as a general rule of thumb, you know, you're going to go down a container route, you're probably going to be using Docker, be that in mm -hmm. Kubernetes, Mesos, whatever you're using, it's, it, it's obviously, there, there are different things available there. But the idea would be that a developer should be able to use the same systems and tools that you would use in production. Yep. That gets quite important. So other things that um, sort of extending on the DevOps uh, idea of the sort of accepting failure as a norm. Um, one key thing within an SRE, which um, is, is, is really important, is embracing risk. So if we have a look at a traditional system, we're going to design it and go, well, you know, we need to have no downtime ever. Mm -hmm. It's got to be 109 or, you know, even better. And free, ideally. And free. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Always. So one of the ways that an SRE will actually um, 
counter that argument uh, is going to be through the use of uh, service level objectives, service level indicators, all these sort of uh, terms that get banded about quite a lot. Okay, I think we're going to dive into them yeah, in a wee bit. So, exactly, yeah, so I'm going, to, okay. I'm going to skip over those for a moment, but mm. with those, it's quite uh, quite important because it's it's a language that the business is able to start talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and being able to put a number against things obviously makes it quite easy well, to start comparing. Numbers work. Numbers, numbers work, good. <laughs> um, another thing that is... <laughs> With organizations like Rackspace, it's something that we've done in the past, but mm -hmm. this unfortunately isn't always the case within the uh, industry. Yep. Um, but we've got things like a post-mortem. So anytime sure. there is an outage um, or or even any issue, you mm -hmm. have to do that post-mortem. I uh, can't even say the word. Post-mortem. Post well, it depends on how well it's done, doesn't it? <laughs> I was going to say a post-mortem. Port, yeah, um, but no, the, the post-mortem culture is very important to True. SREs and one absolutely key point with that is never have blame associated with it yep. um it's it's not it's all process isn't it it's all process exactly it's not necessarily something taken from the airline industry but the airline industry has a very similar type of thing mm. if you're uh if you're on the apron or anywhere on the air side and there's an issue you report it mm. you yep. report it without any fear of reprisal because mm. yep. Uh, otherwise, that could be really bad. Yeah. <laughs> really good. Um, and it sounds like it's. Uh, I know. Coming just flash back to a few episodes earlier, we did we did around the well-architected framework. Mm. It sounds like it's taking that further. So, from not just being architected to counter risks, but more about operating it. Well-operated framework. Exactly. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> really? Hashtag TM. Yeah. Really yeah. interesting <laughs> that you should say that But I think we've we've had a lot of discussion around this. We must ask this question what does SRE stand for what is an acronym what is it yes yeah, so SRE is site reliability engineering um, which I guess there's lots of different ways you can interpret it but you can then take that further and go yep. into CRE or customer reliability engineering absolutely so how do you how do you sort of break it down what I mean when you say a site reliability engineer that could be an application is that a site can you go break it? How do you define it as to what is it meant to do? What is that title meant to do? Just to make sure. I mean, obviously, our listeners, depending on how what, what background they come from, from if they if they're more developers, they'd say, well, the platform is the site. Uh, but if they're more front end consumer facing, they'd say, well, the application is the front. So that's a really good question. Um, it depends on how an application is architected. Mm -hmm. um, if you're at a true sort of microservices type architecture, one could argue that literally every single microservice is a separate uh, entity. Yep. However, from an SRE's perspective, they should not care. Okay. It should not. Uh, it should not be that while well, we're SRE on this and not SRE on here. Right. Um, one of the things that we would always say from an SRE perspective is that basically you you. It's, um, if I give you an example, mm -hmm. um, if we take a traditional web application, just let, let's say it's serving pictures of cats, because why not? Hey. Um, <laughs> how would you normally set up your monitoring? If the pictures come up on the website and a reasonable response time, that could be the first start. So that's already up at the SRE perspective. When we start looking at what traditionally has been done, it's mm -hmm. a case of, well, how's the CPU on the application? Server? Of course. How much memory? Are the disks full? Your customers don't care about that. Mm. What they actually care about is, is the site available? But more importantly, 
is it reliable? Yeah. So the, the, the argument that we would put forward or the, the principle of SRE would be that the most important feature of any system is its reliability. Right. And that's, uh, you know, there's, there's various different ways that you can think about this. One of the ways that I like to uh, do, uh, basically explain this would be Netflix. Mm-hmm. What's reliable to you for Netflix as a user? Yeah, as long as I can watch the program that I intend to watch at the intended time. Oh, but what about the whole thing when you when you go onto the menu and all of your my Ooh. list has disappeared? Mm. There you go. That's quite annoying. <laughs> so that's that's a really good point. Functionality is important mm. as well as exactly. uptime. Mm. And the key thing that you said though, I can watch the program. You didn't say I can watch it four K. So what's mm. to say that I can't go and disable? If I have a if I have an issue with the site, uh, or I have an issue with an individual application, or you know, there's there's various things that could be happening. I could degrade the customer service. Yep. Now that's a really foreign concept. Mm-hmm. As soon as you start talking about oh, we're going to make the customer's experience a little bit less good. Yep. That's that sounds quite scary. <laughs> But think about big applications. True. You see it all the time with Facebook. You see it all the time with uh, Netflix, as an example. You know, you'll go, you'll start streaming. The first thing Netflix want to do is get that content in your eyes. They don't care if it's at you know two forty p or whatever the lowest resolution that they do is. Um, it's a case of let's get the user having the perception that this is working immediately. And I guess this is where we will sort of go down further into the uh, into the SLI, SLO communication, mm. because that defines what is what should you offer as minimum. Is it is it quality or is it the content itself? So that's interesting as well because I think like uh, well, Luke, for example, you you and Well, we've both run multiple um, SRE style workshops with customers. And I was really interested when Welby would ask the question there and Sai and I were both looking at it from different perspectives. So, I mean, typically with the customers you've looked at, you've dealt with right across all of those businesses. What's the, how does that process work of running an SRE workshop with, with somebody? And who do you get in the room? Yeah, so uh, one customer came in was from uh, the gaming industry. Um, as part of the session with Welby, they brought a wide... Um, depth of different people within the business both from business level product owners as well as then the hands-on engineers and developers and I think one of the key things was to have everyone in the same room as Welby was alluding to earlier around having everyone speak in the same language and um, if you can then talk about an SLO and how that actually comes back to business metrics and some of the um, decisions you then make to um, put engineering time into reliability you can sell it back to the business as to why you're making those changes um, and another thing is, as well would be in terms of um, how much time you put into um, reliability versus the opportunity cost of spending time there versus new bug, bugs and features and that kind of thing. So it's important to have everyone in the room to all, one, be able to speak the same language, um, but secondly, to then, um, if you're making decisions at the business level as to where you invest time, um, you can then justify down to um, people on the front line that are going to be then um, needing to either um, implement more infrastructure or do something to be able to achieve four nines for a particular feature. So I'm guessing it's it's kind of driven by business goals, but from a more of an uptime and a technical perspective. So exactly, it's, it's a case of since reliability can now be put down as a feature, you can now put raw numbers against that. Got it. 
you can now actually make that decision. Do you want to implement, you know, the new thing that does something with widgets or do you want to make it so this site remains, I keep saying site, application, interchangeable, um, but uh, do you want to keep the system as reliable or do you, at the risk of reducing your reliability, release a new feature? Mm -hmm. And okay. that, there's, a, there's a concept in SRE called an error budget which will allow you to say that, you know, if I have, you know, three nines. So if you're talking about uh, sort of three nines, that's 43 and a bit minutes in a uh, in a 30 day period. Um, if we're making a decision that uh, is going to require you to, um, let's say for instance, that you're going to now need to only deploy into a single zone within one of the cloud providers, that actually might mean that you can't go higher than three nights. Okay. So if the customer uh, is expecting you to have uh, four nights worth of availability, that's four and a bit minutes, four and a half minutes roughly. Um, obviously, you that that's a big divide. If, however, the customer is expecting you to only be available for three nights, why would you spend the engineering time to get mm -hmm. down to that four nights? Indeed. Um, if your SLA, for instance, that you've given to a customer is at uh, three nights internally you're tracking let's say three and a half nights mm -hmm. then you know you're going to have roughly 20 minutes in a month that if you're down it doesn't matter but down has different meanings exactly yes mm, even within a month even like within a month if if i if i'm uh three quarters of the way of the month I, or sorry three quarters of the month i don't care about my accounting application being down but if it happens to be down on the one day when i process all of everybody's payroll That's or it. my end of end of month results or whatever then i have people screaming down the phone at me yeah. so what do i do in that situation which uh, which of those numbers should i always use <laughs> he says with a leading question <laughs> so there's no there's no uh, one answer for that if you have a system that absolutely must be available all of the time let's say on the the the, the i don't know first of the month Mm. Um, then obviously you would plan never to have any changes that would be affecting that around that time. Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't mean for the rest of the month that you're not releasing new features. Mm -hmm. um, you may have um, it, you may have users that are still using that during that time, but is there a different expectation? So, for instance, you might have an SLO that... Um, so an SLO stands for? It's a service level objective. Okay. So... Um, an SLO basically will divide your happy users from your unhappy users. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it sounds uh, like lemmings, like you know the little blocker guy. No. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> Ooh, showing your age there. <laughs> I am. Good, uh, good, uh, good uh, game from Dundee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> no. So um, if we have a look at a uh, a good SLO, is going to separate your. Um, happy users from your unhappy users so you're going to be able to use that as a as a judge of our users getting what they expect mm -hmm. so for instance your SLO for three quarters of the month might be very different to the rest of the month um, so if you do have some specifics like say for instance it's the accounting system first of the month they need to um, do whatever accounting people do in the first of the month. Um, so let's let's say that you're uh, you're 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 running some reports on the first of the month. There, mm. you're obviously going to want to have that a lot higher availability during that time. You may be able to do things like through your automation systems and and various other tools. You may be able to reduce the number of machines or the um, the reliability of that service during other times. Mm. 
Um, another thing, when we're not looking at a system that has hard, fast windows, let's say, for instance, we're looking at a normal, a normal website. Um, you know, let's go back to our cat application. Yeah, let's do that. Um, Alex has already alluded to something with Netflix. Let's say, for instance, you go to cat.com and look at showing you all of the different cats that you like. You know, you like a, uh, a ragdoll, let's say. There we go. You've got photos of ragdolls, except that one time you go to it, you've got Siamese. I don't like Siamese. Why is it on there? It's still a cat, but yeah, it's not great. Um, what might be happening in the back end is that you're serving up content that isn't personalized to the user. Mm -hmm. Now, that is potentially an unavailable um, part of the application yep, because your exactly. recommendation engine, or if you want to call it, isn't there. But you've changed from being just hard down mm. to showing the user that actually, no, we do have content for you. It's just that, yep, you know, we're not showing you exactly what you want in yep. there. Mm -hmm. um, a user's perception of a site being hard down versus a site being slightly different is very, very different. Very different indeed. Again, when you have a look at Netflix, yep, it's annoying when you get recommended. To, I don't know. I don't even know what shows. I'm presuming since you got young kids. I'm not going to go into my yeah. Netflix recommendations <laughs> at this point. It's, let's, let's say, for instance, Alex's personal account, loads of my little pony. Uh, been, uh, Actually, that might be in there. I do have two daughters. So, that's yeah. exactly it, yeah. Um, <laughs> So, and you it's know. definitely them watching it. Yeah, sure. definitely. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hang on, let's throw in some lemmings as well. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. so, so let's say, for instance, that instead of that, it's now yeah. showing, I, I, I don't know what other shows uh, on, on Netflix there. Let's say Orange is a New Black. Probably not something that he's wanting to have on the, uh, uh, the kids' profile, but mm -hmm. uh, let's say that he, that's not a show that he wants to watch. Yeah, it's going to be annoying, but as a user, he's just going to go, oh, it's just being stupid, and he's going to go and skip over that. Yep. If, however, nothing came up, mm. that's a go. very different thing. Yep. Now, why am I going into this? The reason I'm saying this is knowing that you can be down and potentially hard down, but knowing that you can be down because your users have a certain expectation of the system being up and working and what working actually is, you can start to do releases. Make those changes. When it breaks, you fail and you fail fast. Yep. Now, the other thing you can do is that you might be doing a, uh, a change, and that change is, um, uh, let's say that's going to be a new style that the, the, the app has or whatever. What you might do is you might release that to 10% of your users. Yep. So rather than doing a hard, let's release it out to every Everybody. user, mm. you're only potentially breaking it for that 10%. Sure. Now, there's other methodologies that we would talk about in a uh, in a sort of release management perspective. So there's things like Canaries, AB, there's Green Blue, depending on how you want to look at it. There's loads of different ways of doing that. And SRE will always look at ways that they can do that type of work to allow the business to release their new features and presumably be uh, beating their competitors either in features or you know, whatever else what it might functionality? be. What um, functionality? but in a way that it doesn't affect the entire user base. So it is a question around availability versus reliability. At the end of the day, it's, it's not just a, the content being there, but it's reliable enough to watch it, for example, in a Netflix exactly. world of it. Mm. Uh, but actually, let's take a step back then at a the point, because we introduced SLO as a concept here. We, we talked about it. Let's quickly jump back and say, w how do you differentiate SLO as in a service level objective 
to uh, an SLA and an SLI? Cool, yeah. So, I mean, there's obviously SLAs, which are um, service level agreements. Mm-hmm. There's a consequence with, associated with that, usually with your end clients in contracts. Right. Um, usually it's a, through something kind of like a refund or a credit, and it's something you're committing to with Cha-ching. the end customer. <laughs> um, further to that, you've got service level objectives, which you can be um, more aggressive with. So if you do find that you don't hit your SLO, you're not necessarily going to breach your SLAs. Right, okay. Um, so it's kind of like a benchmark, well, buffer zone mm. for your SLA. Exactly, and it's more of an um, internal standard mm. that you're all working towards. And then actually how you measure that or how you figure out whether an SLO is going to be violated is through your service level indicators. Right. So that's where you then start bringing in instrumentation to have certain triggers that can then bring in SREs if there is something that's being violated. So how do you, how do you then an SRE or, or a CRE, I know we'll talk about a CRE in a second, but from a, from an, from a reliability perspective, how do you kind of utilize those three tools to gauge how the site is doing or how the application is doing? how the, um, the content is doing. Do you sort of do a, I mean, I'm talking, I'm talking old school here. If you talk about something like SLI, you're talking about CPU and memory monitoring. No. Ah, okay. <laughs> so correct. <laughs> Enlighten us. So uh, an SLI itself, um, we, whilst you may still be collecting that bit of information, you know, CPU, disk memory, Java heap size, all that sort of stuff is really useful, especially when you want to do diagnosis. Mm-hmm. However, an SLI will usually lead on to you having something which will be in an SLO. And that right. that is where you're going to get paged. When you're paging someone, it should be an actionable item. What are you going to do if it's 100% CPU? could argue that actually it's good that it's 100% CPU because you're using your resource as much as you can. What you want to actually start looking at is what's the user experience. So this is where it starts to twist from our traditional IT quite significantly. Oh, yeah, it's getting quite fudgy at this point. I'm like, oh. (laughs) It's getting getting more advanced, actually, because if you think about it, uh, you're actually expecting the system to self-heal on very basic things like CPU and memory but then you're ex- you're saying that my SLI, SLI is going to tell me if an entire system is down. So let me rephrase that. Okay. So just because you're not collecting, or sorry, I'll rephrase that. Just because you're not alerting on that CPU usage doesn't mean that that's not an actionable item. All right. So for instance, if high CPU leads to a reduction in customer experience, then that's something that you would want to go into. We have a, um, from from a Google perspective, we have a, what we would refer to as an SLI menu. Um, probably wouldn't buy anything on it. doesn't taste particularly good. But, um, <laughs> um, we've got... Uh, yeah, I was, I was going to say, are we going down the Mercedes route in an SLI menu? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, as a general rule, and this is not all of the SLIs that are available, but as a general rule, what we would uh, do is divide them into three separate categories. So you're going to have a request or response based one. So that's, yeah. you know, your usual, like what's what's the actual web server returning? You're going to have a data processing style one. Mm-hmm. Um, and the data processing style ones get quite complex, but it's, it's around coverage, correctness, freshness, latency, which is different to latency for a, um, uh, an actual web page, but that's, yep. that's a different thing. Um, you might have ones around storage durability, um, 
depending on who you speak to, availability of storage is durability because if the data is not accessible, is it really there? If somebody writes a file to a disk and there's no one there to retrieve it, is it really there? Yeah, let's let's <laughs> not go like the, the whole. The woods, that's that's exactly. exactly. Yeah. Availability <laughs> is a very um, focused concept. It's, it's dependent on a lot of things. It's all about context, isn't it? It's all about context, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's, it's all good. These are these are good things. I I think one of the first things though that we need to uh, we need to sort of say about any SLI is going to be how do you actually put a number against it. Mm. So if I was taking, for instance, let's say that it is the uh, the latency of a, a web page response, how can I compare that to the, the actual availability of the content? Right. That simple. Number of good events divided by the number of valid events times it by 100. There you go. You've got a percentage. Is that is that an event per second, per minute, per day? Per uh, it depends minute? on what your SLI is. Ah, <laughs> uh, see, now that's, that's, that's quite Context, context. Um, <laughs> So if I if I take for instance um, let, let, let's take a a simple one like a, a, a latency. Mm. So when we're talking about a latency SLI, that's going to be quite simply the number of valid requests served faster than a specific threshold. So that might be that we say all requests for the home page, uh, we expect that they're going to be under I don't know hundred milliseconds, and we'll take that as a percentage of those. Okay. Um, so when we're actually um, measuring that, we have to take into account, where do we measure it? Mm -hmm. Now, again, there are hundreds of different ways of doing this. But from a Rackspace and Google perspective, the two and a half, maybe three ways that we, uh, <laughs> we'd look at are going to be server-side logging. So how long does the server think that it took to serve that content? Okay. You could potentially extend that out to when the load balancer does it, but that's got its own potential pitfalls there. Um, and then the reason that I'm grouping these two into it, whilst they are separate systems, um, they're kind of the same sort of idea, you could have your clients report it. Mm. So if you have a look at, um, uh, well, most, most websites these days are going to have something like Google Analytics. Yeah. So just like Google Analytics, at the end of each page, it goes and retrieves the one pixel GIF or whatever it is that it does yeah. these days, sends all of the information that you could possibly want back to Google. You could do something similar with your website. You mm, could check yeah. in back home saying, well, this took this amount of time. Now, well, that's where you have APMs as well. Isn't it? So the likes exactly. of New, New Relic, yes, App yeah. Dynamics, etc., exactly. and they'll go to even greater depth on those kind of uh, monitoring metrics. It also allows you to potentially, for other SLIs, start doing things like monitoring. Well, actually, how long did the DOM take to process on here? So just for those that don't know, the DOM is uh, is, is basically the the content of the web page. So if you've right. got loads of JavaScript or anything like that, it can take. Uh, um, it, it can obviously take quite Absolutely. some time to uh, to process that, um, and then a sort of final place that you could be looking at this is on a, um, a what we'd refer to as a black box. Mm. So synthetic transaction monitoring black boxes. Mm. You know, you've got oodles of different services that could do that, but uh, a client that is a fake client going to your web page, doing yep. some actions, getting them out of the time that each of those actions took to get back. Once you have all of those, um, you basically can actually develop your SLO itself. Mm. So you take your SLI specification, and uh, basically what you would do is you would say that, let's say for instance, that the 
Um, the implementation of that is going to be the proportion of homepage requests that served under 100 milliseconds as measured from the latency uh, in the server log. Right. So we have a really specific metric now. We know that's in the server log. We know it's for these specific pages and it is going to be under this amount of time. Okay. So I can now say, well, anything that's over that, well, I can take that as a bad event. Mm -hmm. Good events versus valid events. events times by 100. Um, and then on top of that, you want to assign a percentage to it, don't you? So yep, for instance, absolutely. we might say that our SLO is 99% of all requests to the homepage for the past 28 days would be served under 100 milliseconds. Now, the reason that you put a time bound on there is that that then means that either you have a rolling window or uh, it, it basically means that it's easy to compare. Of course. So by doing that, I now have something that anyone within the business could start looking at. If we think about it from, for instance, a marketing perspective, it's a case of, <laughs> you know, from, from a marketing perspective, you guys might want to know that actually, yes, we've got a uh, application that we're, we're telling you that, yes, it might be, let's say, for instance, that we're looking at 99% for our SLO. You might turn around and say it's 95% for the SLA. Hmm. Mm. Absolutely. So, so I guess so. The SLAs, SLOs, and SLIs. If I'm looking at them, they're they're a pyramid stack of one building on top of the other. Correct. And the SLOs and the SLAs are the ones which the business users are going to be most interested in. Exactly. So that they can define: Am I? Am I? You know, if I'm at the SLA level, I'm saying: Does my business provide the service that my customers are looking for? Internally with my SLOs, I'm saying, how am I looking at and monitoring and making sure that I'm going to hit the what I'm actually delivering out to my customers? And the SLIs are the measurement by which I'm actually checking how I'm doing that and getting the accurate measurements on that. Yeah, so an SLA is effectively an external consequence. Um, you're going to get, um, you're going to breach some kind of SLA that's going to lead to a credit to the customer or a refund for something like that. An SLO is internal in that, um, there's an internal consequence. You've had five SLIs that have triggered an SLO and that's been broken and you're now knowing that you're coming close to breaching an SLA. So in theory, it's allowing people to step in before you have to go to your end clients to um, give them some kind of financial reward or refund. Um, so that's, I guess, the key difference. Okay. And so if we wrap all of it, I'm going to wrap all the way around. It's almost like a Billy Connolly sketch. Like we'll go back to the beginning again, which was my first question. Was, was this, there was this whole, there's this whole DevOps thing and there's this SRE thing. So it actually sounds like the two are very, very closely related, but SRE is really just taking it, putting some structure and some reality around this DevOps stuff. I mean, have you worked with customers who've been, DevOpsy already, and they'd be like, "Yeah, we know all the DevOps stuff, and blah blah blah. DevOps amazing, you know, hashtag DevOps, <laughs> etc." Yeah, um, and then they've applied SRE. Yeah, we see it a lot. We see a lot of customers that come in and they're very DevOpsy. They've already got their strategy um, in terms of tooling and process, and they've got a CI pipeline, but they haven't necessarily formalized. Okay, this is our SLA with our customers, but how are we going to deliver that? And they've got the tooling, but not necessarily it's going to it's going to break down somewhere. Um, so with workshops with some customers, we've come in and helped them figure out, okay, what should the SLOs be? Right. How do we get SLIs which will achieve the SLO um, while still using our DevOps tooling, but going further to that? And a good example would be um, uh, a customer in the kind of sports events industry 
who obviously had certain times where it's more important to be reliable and available. Um, Saturday afternoon, for example. Particularly on Saturday <laughs> afternoons, Sunday afternoons. Um, so they needed some level of confidence to be able to go back to their end client to say that they could achieve an SLA. And they had the DevOps tooling in place. They were using things like Terraform. They were using things like Git and um, lots of different um, flashy lights. But they hadn't sat down and logically thought about how do we define our SLA mm. um, and what are the things we need to, to measure. So things like throughput or things like latency that effect, effectively then rolls up into that SLO and would allow them to achieve the SLA so they didn't have external consequences. Okay. Oh, really interesting. So so I'm, uh, my, my appetite is whetted, I would say. Definitely. With this stuff. I want to learn more about it. How do I go about that then? So I think um, we have only very briefly, like even like taking <laughs> a little bit of the plastic off of the surface here. This is... Is this like an unboxing? This, this is. We've just oh, taken dude, it we don't have four the, hours. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we, we've just taken it from the courier, basically. Oh right, so, okay. not even in the front door yet. So it's a case of site reliability engineering is a huge topic. Um, we've mainly touched on the SLO, SLI, SLA terminologies there. There's many, many other things, and I think if anybody is interested in uh, more information. Um, you guys can obviously put this at the the bottom of the podcast, whatever, uh, whatever you guys do there. But there's um, there's two separate books. Show notes. Are, show notes. Show notes. There we go. <laughs> um, so there's there's two separate books that are really um, considered like the, the 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 books that you should be uh, looking at. Um, first one is called Site Reliability Engineering, and the uh, the second one there is the Site Reliability Workbook. Um, and with that, both of those, you can actually get them online for free. Mm, um, okay. We'll give you the links. Yeah, the, we'll put the links in there. Uh, they're also available in the dead tree version, if, if that's your thing. Excellent. Perfect. Okay. And I think there's also, there's quite a few, because um, I was looking up some stuff on SLIs, SLAs, SLOs, and Google also do a, a really good kind of like mini five-minute video as well, which you can consume, which is a really easy introduction to it, which I thought was quite good. Um, that was quite some time ago. I'm not saying I watched that two minutes before we started the show. Just yeah. So no, the content is <laughs> extensive online in terms of what you can achieve with uh, site reliability engineering. There's there's concepts around what what Google have started, uh, which has now been picked up by VMware, Docker, mm. uh, New Relic. Uh, and there's loads of resources there. So we, we'll put some links in the show notes to sort of give you pointers to go there. Uh, but I guess it's it's um, just as we say in every episode, if you have any specific questions or feedback about this, if you want to know more and you want to ask us something specific, absolutely, let us know. Put it put it in our uh, Twitter feed, put it in our, uh, drop us an email, contact us, and uh, uh, we shall definitely get that across to Welby, even though Welby is uh, a, a million hours busy a day. Um <laughs> Well, the, the, to add on to that, um, one thing that we didn't touch on is what, what is a CRE versus an SRE? We didn't. It's really simple. So a CRE is Customer Reliability Engineer, which is a SRE who teaches customers how to operate at scale reliably. Perfect. Okay, that makes sense. So it's more customer focused. We, we'll... we'll I guess uh, we'll, we'll kick off another episode and go more deeper into it if we need to. In mm, terms I of, think that'd be good. Yeah, so I think there's this, we've, uh, as well you mentioned, we've just about scratched the surface. So guys, if you <laughs> if you feel like you want to know more about this, you want to go talk about, because I'm personally, I'm very interested in how this availability and reliability thing, it's kind of like yin and yang almost. <laughs> how does how does it work together? How I mean, what do how do customers use it? So 
we may actually do an episode on that. I don't know. Uh, guys, let us know. Let us know if you want to hear some more about that. And uh, yeah, we'll take it from there. Just um, as a wrap up, thanks, guys. I mean, Luke, Welby, you've been awesome guests. Uh, the, the content and the information there, there's a wealth of knowledge. And, and thank you much, so much for coming on and uh, sharing those with us. Uh, and to all the listeners, let us know uh, if you want to hear anything more. Uh, if you want a specific concepts, um, if you want to just message Alex and tell him he's too loud, <laughs> that, which which we always do. Uh, just as a side note, I know Carolina will agree with me, but we always keep saying Alex, Alex, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, editing is a pleasure. Yes, always. I don't blame me. I, I I would actually just like to say thank you very much to Carolina um, on two fronts. So one is for being an awesome producer over the past twelve months. Uh, but the other one is also for having provided biscuits today. Hashtag biscuits yeah. are here. Yeah. Yes, we have biscuits. Thank you. Finally did it. That's just because I wanted to get the microphone. And I wanted to uh, thank you guys very much for recording today with us as well. And I have learned a lot of interesting facts. And I think a lot of what you said today does refer into marketing because it's customer-facing stuff. So I think every CMO out there should be looking out for this episode as well. Thank you very much. Well, in which case, until next time. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you.